Hey everyone, this is Christopher Holtwick, and I'm part of Ideas Marketing and Technology team. Welcome back to a new episode of Ideas Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. If this is your first time listening, here's how it works. In this episode, I'm going to read you 22 evidence-based news stories that'll bring you up to date on fitness trends, exercise research, and the dynamic fields of diet, food, nutrition, and behavior change science. This episode contains information that's been approved for one CEC by more than 25 approval agencies, including ACE, NASM, AFA, ACSM, NSCA, and NFPT. In order to claim your CEC, you'll need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the IDEA store. Look for the link to the quiz in the show notes. To thank you for listening, at the end of the episode, I'll provide you with a coupon code to get 20% off the quiz. IdeaFit Plus members can access this and all CEC quizzes and courses free of charge. Research has shown that physical activity increases comprehension. So whether you're out for a run, working out, or just doing the dishes, we encourage you to move while you listen and learn. Let's get started. I will read 11 articles from our headline section that were researched by our colleague and award-winning contributing editor, Shirley Archer Eichenberger. These were originally published in the January-February 2021 edition of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles in the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Lower weight in young women does not equal higher fitness. A common assumption is that people who weigh less are more fit. And among men and women ages 30 and older, cardiovascular fitness does tend to decline as body mass index increases. For younger adult women, however, this may not be the case. This is according to preliminary research findings based on patients at the Cardiovascular Performance Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. Women under 30 with higher optimal BMI levels had the highest level of cardiovascular fitness, even when compared with thinner, leaner women of the same age, according to the large Harvard University study. This serves as a reminder that lower BMI is not a prerequisite for higher aerobic fitness, said co-senior study author Jay Shawala Ghosh, MD, instructor in medicine at the Harvard Medical School and a cardiovascular physician scientist. Given the risks that come with weight loss in athletes, and given that there are many other variables an athlete could adjust to maximize performance, such as training intensity, training frequency, skill acquisition, competition strategy, sleep, and nutrition, we advocate that BMI and weight as targets should be de-emphasized for young adult women. The research was presented at the American Heart Association's Virtual Basic Cardiovascular Sciences 2020 Scientific Sessions. Article 2. Weight Bias May Be Declining According to researchers from the United States and the United Kingdom, more and more people share the viewpoint that those with obesity are being blamed for the disease rather than getting the medical help they need to manage it. It's encouraging to see explicit weight bias trend downwards in the United States, says study author Theodore Kyle, who serves on the Obesity Action Coalition National Board. Unfortunately, we know from other research that implicit, unspoken, and systematic bias that people with obesity face every day is still strong. The research was presented at the European and International Congress on Obesity 2020. Article 3. How to Increase Men's Physical Activity It looks like friendly competition attracts male group exercise class participants. 
program directors who are vying to attract male participants to Group X classes may want to consider men-only programming. The sessions that most effectively increase men's physical activity in men reflect their values and interests include regular group contact and employ multiple behavior change strategies. This is according to a review of 24 studies published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Researchers noted that the most successful strategies for retaining male participants use simple, straightforward messages, images and humor, realistic recommendations, and flexible options for promoting self-reliance and mastery. Men seem to be drawn to programs where they can connect with men similar to themselves in a male-friendly environment and engage in friendly banter and competition, reported the study authors. The most effective programs, yielding significantly greater physical activity improvements, involved contact with participants at least once a week. These researchers encouraged development of a more gender-tailored program to attract, engage, and retain men. Article 4. Bipartisan Efforts to Support Health and Fitness Facilities The Health and Fitness Recovery Act of 2020 is gaining momentum. This act was introduced in Congress on October 1, 2020, and it reflects efforts by lawmakers and lobbyists to provide financial relief to health and fitness businesses hurt by the pandemic. As previously reported, national fitness chains have filed for bankruptcy, with many facility closures and billions of dollars in lost revenue. The proposed legislation seeks to aid affected businesses by creating a $30 billion fund for grants. Each grant would max out at an actual business loss of 10% of the previous year's revenue, or $10 million, whichever is less. You can find a link to a site where you can learn more on our website at ideafit.com. Article 5. Black Women Are Less Likely to Meet Activity Guidelines Revealing Health Disparities Among Racial Groups in America Findings from the Black Women's Health Study show that African-American women have a life expectancy of 2.7 years shorter than Caucasian-American women and are less likely than white women to meet national physical activity guidelines. Investigators followed 52,993 participants over 22 years and noted that both walking and vigorous exercise activities by study subjects were associated with less likelihood of early death from heart disease or cancer. Both diseases are more prevalent among African Americans than Caucasian Americans. This study is available in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. Article 6. Vigorous Exercise Benefits Older Adults High-intensity interval training improves fitness and well-being among adults over the age of 70 and may even increase longevity, according to a five-year study by Norwegian University of Science and Technology researchers in Trondheim, Norway. The longitudinal study compares the effects of five years of supervised exercise training, either HIT or medium-intensity continuous training, with independent fulfillment of physical activity guidelines by study participants. The 1,567 research subjects included both men and women with a mean age of 72.8 years. Data analysis showed that all types of physical activity were beneficial. However, those who did HIT showed a slightly lower likelihood of dying during the five-year study, indicating that HIT may boost lifespan. Study authors noted that those participating in HIT showed larger health benefits than those who did moderate intensity exercise and recommends that future guidelines for physical activity, at least for older adults, should be more specific in requiring that at least part of the physical activity be performed with high intensity. You'll find the study in the BMJ. Article 7. High Intensity Functional Resistance Training for Older Adults 
In another study on the benefits of high-intensity exercise for older adults, researchers found that high-intensity resistance training and physical rehabilitation is safe and improves function and satisfaction. High-intensity multi-component rehabilitation strategies are safe and, compared with usual care, significantly doubled physical function and medically complex older adults receiving home rehabilitation after hospitalization, noted University of Colorado researchers. They recommend changing current rehabilitation approaches to incorporate more vigorous training as a way to increase care and reduce costs. This study was published in Physical Therapy. Article 8. Eccentric training lacks uniform strategies. Chances are you are using eccentric training in your programs because you think it improves muscular strength, builds lean mass, and improves power and explosive ability. But how are you incorporating it? And are you measuring its effectiveness? A new study shows that there is a wide variability among training protocols. University of Waikato researchers in New Zealand wanted to identify common coaching practices for implementing eccentric training. The researchers surveyed an international group of athletic trainers and coaches working with athletes in different sports, such as track and field, rugby union, football, basketball, hockey, and more, to learn about training protocols. 54% of survey respondents trained professional or non-professional elite athletes. Data analysis showed that the primary reasons for programming eccentric training were to improve sports performance and to prevent and rehab injuries. Methods of qualifying eccentric load or fatigue or using eccentric testing to determine eccentric training loads varied widely, and 78% of information used to guide eccentric training decisions seemed to be anecdotal rather than based on academic journals. Study authors noted that, in practice, much of the eccentric training seems to reflect anecdotal and empirical evidence and lacks application of uniform training protocols. More research is needed to understand the long-term implications of eccentric training program design and to improve its effectiveness in athletic training. The study appeared in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. Article 9. Safety Tips for Outdoor Group Exercise Exercise is one of the most beneficial ways to boost health and strengthen the immune system. During the pandemic, many fitness professionals took training outside, even in the winter, in some areas of the country, as a way to promote health and safety and to increase consumer confidence. The following tips offered by the San Francisco Department of Health will help you plan appropriately for outdoor training. Distancing Throughout the training session, Each person should have enough space to remain at least six feet apart from the persons living in different households. Time. Sessions should not last more than two hours and should be scheduled at least 20 minutes apart to allow instructors to sanitize high-touch areas, to wash hands, and or to replace any items or clothing that may have come in contact with the participants or equipment. Equipment. Participants should bring their own equipment. If that's not possible, Common equipment must be sanitized between uses. Masks. Face masks should be worn unless an individual has a written medical exemption from a healthcare provider. Singing and or shouting. Loud vocalizations are discouraged as they increase the risk of viral spread even when wearing a mask. Greetings. Fitness pros should establish a safe greeting protocol, an elbow bump, foot shake, or hand signals. No participation of sick. If people are currently sick or showing symptoms of fever, chills, coughing, 
shaking, shivering, sore throat, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, unusual weakness or fatigue, muscle pains, headache, or runny or congested nose, they should not participate. The same applies for people who have had COVID-19 within the past 10 days or have been in close contact with someone who has had the virus within the past 14 days. Notification. Instructors should maintain a list of staff and participants for up to three weeks in case someone in a session is diagnosed with COVID-19, and it is necessary to notify people for contact tracing. We've put a link to the San Francisco Department of Public Health tip sheet online at ideafit.com. Article 10. The Army recommends a holistic health approach. The U.S. Army has updated its formal physical fitness training field manual to the FM7-22, Holistic Health and Fitness Manual. The new version reflects a more integrated approach to well-being and revises the previous doctrine of physical readiness training. The new holistic health and fitness system includes five readiness categories, mental, sleep-related, nutritional, physical, and spiritual. Article 11. Fitness Influencers Motivate Exercise Enthusiasts Not all followers of fitness influencers are interested in exercising more, according to study findings on YouTube influencers. Paris School of Business researchers in France examined the relationship between fitness video consumption and the impact on followers' exercise attitudes and intentions. While social media influencers are known to affect purchasing decisions, it is unclear whether they can positively influence health behaviors. Researchers analyzed responses from a global sample of 306 subjects, ages 15 to 25, and found that viewers who already had an exercise habit used the media to reinforce their motivation. By contrast, non-exercising viewers watched fitness influencers for entertainment, and in some cases, this even reduced exercise intentions. In other words, some viewers felt vicarious goal achievement from watching others exercise, and as a result, felt less motivated to exercise themselves. Investigators also noted gender-based differences in viewing attitudes. More research is recommended. The study is available in the Journal of Retailing and Consumer Services. That concludes the readings for headlines. Many thanks to author and contributing editor Shirley Archer Eichenberger for her research and writing. Next up, I will read 11 articles from our Food for Thought news section. These were researched by our colleague Matthew Cady, a registered dietitian and cookbook author who is also a James Beard award-winning journalist. These articles were originally published in the January-February 2021 edition of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Whole Grain Confusion Many health experts urge us to eat more whole grains. The mixture of fiber, nutrients, and antioxidants may lower the risk for several chronic ailments. Note that whole grain means the grain contains the original endosperm, germ, and bran, hence delivering a bigger nutrition payload. However, you could spend hours at the supermarket analyzing all the bread, crackers, cereal, and other products that tout themselves as whole grain on the label and still come home with fewer whole grains than you had planned. Out of 1,030 participants, in a public health nutrition study, 51% overestimated the whole grain content in the sampling of 12 grain bread products, and 41% overestimated the whole grain count in multigrain crackers, all of which had whole grain lingo on the front of the package. When then trying to select the healthiest option from a list of hypothetical grain products, 
with terms like multigrain and made with whole grains on the labels, respondents answered incorrectly 29% to 47% of the time. The reason why consumers remain flummoxed in the bread aisle is that manufacturers have a plethora of ways to persuade us that a product has a higher whole grain content than it actually does. For instance, they could tell us it's a multigrain when in fact it's mostly made with refined flour. Made with whole grains means the food contains some amount of whole grain, but not that the food is entirely whole grain. So instead of relying on marketing to tell us how healthy a food item is, we need the skills to discern true healthfulness by scanning an ingredient list for a start. Seek out products flying the term 100% whole grain helps too. There's also the opportunity for more regulation of food labels to help stamp out misleading sales pitches. Article 2. The Root Causes Your hair reveals a lot about your food preferences. Despite the rise of plant-based eating, it seems Americans still prefer cheeseburgers to veggie burgers, and the proof was gathered on the beauty shop floor. Researchers from the University of Utah scrutinized chemical traces in discarded hair from barbers and hair salons in 65 cities across the United States and found that corn-fed animal-derived proteins like beef and dairy account for 57% of the content of American diets on average. Variations in carbon isotopes found in hair reflect those found in different food products, making this method an intriguing way to understand dietary choices among different population groups. As reported in the journal PNAS, the amount of protein consumed was also found to be higher in zip codes with a lower socioeconomic status, where corn-fed animal-derived protein accounted for as much as 75% of diets. What's more, the authors discovered that the isotope ratios reflecting a higher proportion of animal-based protein in diets of certain zip codes were correlated with elevated obesity rates. Article 3. Fishing for plastic? Serving fish for dinner? You could be eating more than protein. As reported in Environmental Science and Technology, a team of researchers used a mass spectrometry technique to test seafood purchased from a market in Australia, and every sample contained traces of microplastics, including polyethylene and polyvinyl chloride, or PVC. We still don't know how ubiquitous these microplastics are in the American seafood supply, and what, if anything, this is doing to our long-term health. But considering just how much plastic is being dumped into our oceans and other waterways, there's reason to find out if this may cancel out some of the health benefits like omega-3s, which we expect to gain from eating seafood. Article 4. Kids can influence their parents to eat more veggies. Think of it as pester power. You may think kids pestering their parents to eat healthier food is a dream, but researchers from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences showed that when you educate kids on their virtuals of nutrition in a fun way, it can become reality. The team interviewed parents whose children have participated in weekly Together We Inspire Smart Eating lessons for one year, inspired by a cartoon owl named Wendy who promoted healthy eating habits. The results, published in the Journal of Nutrition, Education, and Behavior, found that the pester power from school children in response to this program was associated with a movement toward parents themselves eating more healthful foods. Improvements included eating more fruits and vegetables and using parenting practices that better supported healthy diets for their children. This suggests that children's dietary influence at home and their talent for nagging could be an overlooked way to improve eating behaviors in the household and a target for future interventions, 
It's an uphill battle against the companies that market junk food to the younger generation, but there's still hope for children requesting more spinach on the dinner table. Article 5. Chickpeas find a perfect nutritional match. If chickpeas could speak, they would say to rice, you complete me. As reported in the Journal of Nutrition, the protein quality of chickpeas is increased when they are consumed with rice as opposed to when they are consumed alone. Why? Well, pulses like the chickpeas are low in the essential amino acid methanamine, and anti-nutritional factors in chickpeas can also influence methanamine bioavailability in the body. On the flip side, rice contains higher amounts of methanamine that is more bioavailable. So when you team the two up, you get a meal with a higher protein quality. With rising interest in plant-based eating, it would be useful to see how other pulse grain combos perform, say for example, kidney beans and quinoa, or lentils and bulgur. There could be lots of great nutritional hookups out there. Article 6. The Dark Side of Night Eating Can loading up on calories in the evening adversely affect weight loss efforts? Yes. Raiding the fridge at night can make it harder for people to scale down. Among 1,200 adults who kept detailed food diaries from 2012 to 2017, those who consumed a lower percentage of their daily calories after sunset consumed fewer calories overall as compared to those who ate more at night. This is according to a study led by researchers at Ulster University in Northern Ireland and presented at the 2020 European and International Congress on Obesity. The timing of when we eat our calories is increasingly being shown to influence the way our bodies behave, including altering certain hormone levels that appear to play a role in the body weight management. Also, the food choices people make later in the day, say when lounging on the couch watching TV, can upend healthy eating goals. Those who ate the largest portion of daily calories at night have poorer quality diet scores. They are more likely to eat heavily processed foods, consume alcohol, and choose fewer nutrient-dense edibles overall. Article 7. The Common Side Effects of a Keto Diet The ketogenic diet, which is heavy in fat and skimpy on carbs, has become a popular eating method geared towards weight loss. Plants typically recommend getting 70% to 80% of calories from fat, but it could leave people feeling like they've been hit by a truck. A study in Frontiers in Nutrition that evaluated comments made in 43 online forums dedicated to this diet identified moderate to severe fatigue, headache, dizziness, constipation, and mental fog as typical short-term effects of the keto diet, a cluster of symptoms otherwise known as the keto flu. When your body is required to shift into a completely different metabolic state than it's used to, it can respond by making you feel miserable. That said, people's symptoms generally peak in the first week of the diet, then taper it off over the next few weeks. So, if you have clients eager to give the keto approach a go, be sure they're prepared for a hard landing. There is also a concern that keto followers may fall short on various vitamins, minerals, and fibers. Plus, the diet's long-term sustainability remains in question. Article 8. Your Brain on Plant Chemicals Recent research says that you can improve your mental well-being with certain plant foods. If you want to stay sharp as a whip, be sure to top your morning cereal with berries, for instance, and wash it down with a steamy mug of tea. Based on data collected from 2,800 people ages 50 and older enrolled in the Framingham Heart Study, those with higher intakes of food and drinks containing flavonoids such as berries, pears, apples, dark chocolate, and green tea, were less likely to develop Alzheimer's disease and related dementias over 20 years, compared with people who consumed fewer of these potent antioxidants. 
This according to research conducted at the Jean Mayer USDA Human Nutrition Research Center on Aging at Tufts University. A low intake of class of flavonoids called anthocyanins, found abundantly in items like blueberries, were associated with a fourfold greater risk of developing dementia. One potential reason for the brain-benefiting powers of these plant-based chemicals is that flavonoids work to lessen memory-sapping inflammation. One of the best ways to load up on flavonoids is to eat a rainbow of plant foods daily. Article 9. Word of the day? Microprotein. This type of fungal-derived protein could be the way that we help build muscle sustainability in the near future. In a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, 20 males with an average age of 22 completed two bouts of resistance training. They ingested milk protein after one session and microprotein after the other, both with the same level of leucine, an amino acid that is especially important in stimulating protein synthesis. It turns out that post-exercise muscle protein synthesis rates were higher in response to microprotein than to milk protein. These results need to be replicated in other populations, including female lifters, but could we be on the verge of seeing tubs of mushroom protein powder on store shelves? Article 10. Is it time to clamp down on sugary drink advertising? On the whole, Americans still consume too much of the sweet stuff, and sugar-sweetened drinks are the leading source of added sugars in the American diet. Several studies have linked frequent consumption of sugary drinks, a list that includes soda, sports drinks, and bottled iced teas, to obesity, as well as disease states including diabetes and heart disease. So, reducing intake levels in the population remains a key strategy in combating obesity and its related maladies. But race, income, and geographic disparities exist in who gets targeted by beverage marketers, and this could play a role in consumption patterns. An American Journal of Preventative Medicine study assessed the density of outdoor street-level advertising featuring sugar-sweetened drinks in a random sample of low, medium, and high-poverty neighborhoods in each of New York City's five boroughs, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. By doing so, the investigators from the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene determined that drink ad density was positively associated with an increased population of black, non-Latino residents, and in some boroughs, there was a positive association with neighborhood poverty. So if a borough had a demographic with a higher percentage of blacks with lower economic status, it could very well be bombarded with more street ads flaunting sugar bomb drinks. This, in turn, would likely lead to higher consumption rates and greater chances of poor health. Future work should determine if this same trend in advertising holds true in other states. Article 11. Walk, bike, and eat. More activity requires more fuel, but is there a downside? Choosing active forms of transport like biking to work may yield several health benefits, but researchers from New Zealand's University of Otago say it could come with a surprising downside, potentially rising greenhouse gas emissions. In their paper published in Scientific Reports, the team investigated the effects of shifting from passive modes of transport, including driving, to active modes, like walking and cycling. Those who select active modes have higher caloric needs, which can lead to an increase in climate warming emissions related to food production. The study authors say that to maximize the climate benefits that are possible from increasing active transport in economically developed countries, we also need to address dietary patterns, including the higher food intake required to fuel the extra exercise. They say emissions associated with active transport 
will be lower if a walk to the grocery store or a bike ride to the workplace is powered by low-carbon food choices, namely less meat and fewer resource-heavy processed foods in favor of whole food options like fruits, vegetables, and legumes. In other words, we need to be powering that power walk with an apple instead of a packaged energy bar. Article 12. Food form matters in the battle against hunger. When it comes to weight loss, hunger is often an enemy that needs to be slain. One way people could stay feeling full longer and in turn consume fewer calories is to carefully consider the form of their food. British food scientists provided 18 healthy adults with the same number of calories, 178 calories to be exact, from whole apples, apple puree, or apple juice on three separate occasions. They measured gastric emptying rates and indicators of fullness and satiety post-meal. The outcome was that the whole apples resulted in slower digestion rates as well as increased feelings of fullness and satiety post-ingestion. The extra work that the body does to deal with less processed whole apple, including increased chewing and digestion, likely contributes to its hunger-fighting power. This same satiety-boasting trick can be applied to other similar types of food, such as steel-cut oats versus instant oats, whole oranges versus orange juice, and whole peanuts versus peanut butter. That marks the end of the reading on Food for Thought. Many thanks to registered dietitian and subject matter expert Matthew Cady for his research and excellent writing of our popular food and nutrition news section. This concludes the education in this episode of the Idea, Listen, and Learn CUC podcast. I'm so happy you joined me for this episode. I appreciate your attention and your dedication to being the best professional you could be. Quick reminder that this education has been approved for one CUC by more than 25 certification agencies. In order to claim the CUC, you will need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the IDEA store. The link is in the show notes. Use the coupon code JANIFJ21 to get 20% off this CEC quiz. And remember that this is completely free for IDEAFIT Plus members. Stay tuned. We have more exciting content that has been approved for CECs coming soon.